Um, I want you guys to say that word with me. Lutroo. All right. Just so you're clear, you have to say it with a kind of a hiccup. Not lutroo. Not lutroo. There's no W in there. It's lutroo. And it means to release by paying a ransom price. To release by paying a ransom price. So while it's translated redeem, it, um, it addresses redemption differently and it points to a different aspect. It means to release by paying a ransom price and is described as delivering men from lawlessness. Look at, uh, at Titus 2. Titus 2 says the grace of God, grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for our blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his own, eager to do what is good. So the word, this is great. This is great, what I'm about to tell you, because I hope it's an encouragement to you, um, but at the same time, some of you are really going to hate it as much as I did when I read it. The word lawlessness comes from a Greek word, anomia, and it means this. The bondage of self-will, which rejects the will of God. The bondage of self-will, which rejects the will of God. We have been redeemed from that way of thinking. Have any of you ever thought that self-will is actually a trap? Doing things the way you want, doing your own things, ignoring what God might want you to do is called bondage in Scripture. It's not just basic disobedience. It's not, um, not us saying, eh, forget it, God. It is actually considered bondage. I have been imprisoned to my own will. And I really never thought of it as being imprisoned to my own will until I read this, and that's not making excuses. But it sure gives me an image about, of why it's so hard for me to break it. Some of you are in bondage to self-will, to insisting on having your own way. You're in bondage to having your own way as opposed to doing things God's way. You're too proud. You're too arrogant. You're too scared. You're too full of excuses to do what it is that God calls you to do um, because you insist on having it your way. The bondage of self-will. I never even knew that that was a word, anomia. I never knew that that was a word that, um, that said that doing things your own way and being trapped by, by your own self-will is a bondage. Here's the beauty of redemption. When we are saved, we are redeemed from that. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody on, uh, maybe on social media um, or um, seen interviews on TV or maybe had a conversation with somebody who is an unbeliever, and, um, and the question uh, that runs through your head is, how do they not see this? Anomia is how they don't see it. Anomia. The bondage of self-will. Let me let you in on a little secret that's not so little. The only way that you have been able to see what God has called you to and to see Christ as a salvation opportunity for you is because the Holy Spirit opened your eyes to see that. It is not because you read a bunch of books, although that's helpful in understanding. 
It is because the Holy Spirit moved in you before you responded to the Holy Spirit. That is the only way we can do that. Why is it that important for us um, to, uh, to pray for people that are lost? Because we need to pray that God will open their eyes so that when he presents, with, presents us with opportunities and we walk into those, redeeming the time, that we step into those opportunities and God has already been working on the other side so that people are receptive to the things that God has told us to talk to them about. Rather than trying to argue our friends and our family members into heaven, we love them, we offer grace and compassion, bold declaration of the truth, but all of that is covered and bathed and stewed in prayer. Because God not only has to give us the words to say, he has to soften their hearts and open their eyes to be receptive to what we have to say. Because it is the Holy Spirit speaking to us, speaking to us, through us, to them, through the Holy Spirit that's also working in them. And that's how salvation occurs. So while both words are translated redeem, exagerazo does not signify the actual redemption, but the price paid for the redemption. And lutroo signifies the actual deliverance. So in other words, while exagerazo describes paying the ransom, lutroo expresses the releasing of the hostage. So how does redemption work then? If we're looking at it just from these two angles, and it looks huge, but here, um, here it is. Um, we are told um, that Christ paid the price to set us free, and then Christ set us free. A lot of times we don't look at it from the standpoint of Christ actually saves us or, or sets us free, or we don't look at it as Christ paid the price to set us free. We look at it as if, um, depending on the context, that's kind of what's happening. But there's different words that say Christ paid the price so that we could be set free. And then he knelt down and he released the shackles. Um, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the entway of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So you were set free, literally set free, actively um, removed from slavery. You were redeemed from your empty way of life with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. This is a really, really odd, co- odd quote um, in our language, and I'll try to express it the best way I can and read it the best way I can. It's Jonathan Edwards. And he said, the redeemed are dependent of all, of God, or dependent on God for all. All that we have, wisdom, the pardon of sin, deliverance, acceptance in God's favor, grace, holiness, true comfort and happiness, eternal life and glory, we have from God by a mediator. And the mediator is God. Yes, God is both the purchaser and the price. For Christ, who is God, purchased the blessings by offering himself as a price of our salvation. That's just a great statement. Yes, God is both the purchaser and the price. For Christ, who is God, purchased these blessings by offering himself as the price of our salvation. So God required a price. He set the price. He required the payment. He paid the price. He accepted the price. 
accepted the payment, bent down, released us from shackles so we were no longer free. We were no longer slaves and we could be free. Who does all the work in redemption? It is Christ. God himself is our redeemer on every level. On every level, God is our redeemer. It is not an issue of us trying our best, doing more, bad, doing more good than bad, and hoping God's happy with it. God has set the price. He's, um, he's offered the ransom. He's paid the ransom, and he's released us from our slavery. That is the kind of God that we serve. So the first two words that we've talked about are verbs and addressing the act of redeeming, both payment for our freedom and setting us free. And the other two we'll briefly look at are, are nouns. Lutrosis. Lutrosis refers to the redemptive work of Christ, bringing deliverance from the guilt and the power of sin. Listen, from the guilt and the power of sin. When we're redeemed and we're set free, we're also not, not just not guilty. We're not just released from the guilt of sin. We're also released from the power of that sin over us. The work of Christ makes it so that we can actually resist and overcome sin. That is part of redemption. Now, how many of us think of ourselves as being redeemed as that redemption is also what gives us the power to fight that sin and the power to overcome that sin? It's not necessarily a 12-step program. It's not attending um, meditative workshops. It's not going to conference after conference after conference. It's not reading a series of books by, uh, by a bunch of different authors who are experts. The power to overcome our sin um, is because of the power of the Holy Spirit who works in us upon our redemption. That is how we are redeemed. Hebrews 9.12 says this, He didn't enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The final word we're going to look at is probably the most all-encompassing and powerful word picture of redemption that the scriptures hold. Apolutrosis. Apolutrosis. Apolutrosis describes the releasing of someone upon receipt of the ransom. The releasing of someone upon the receipt of the ransom. It's the word that expresses the actual work of releasing someone from their bondage, not simply paying the price that allows release to take place. So um, it addresses our final redemption um, at the coming of Christ. In Luke 21, 27 and 28, it says this, At that time... They will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Am I the only one who sees what's going on in the world today and keeps looking for the clouds to split? Is that just me? Any day now, please. <laughs> Any day now. Romans 8, to 23 says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So, um, so redemption applies to Christ's 
our return and our ultimate redemption where we are no longer bound by sin or struggle or pain. But it also refers to deliverance from the guilt of sin to the liberty of new life. From the guilt of sin to the liberty of new life. In Romans 3, 22 to 24, it says this, The righteousness is given through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Romans 6, 3 and 4 says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Redemption here is not speaking of redemption from the consequences of our sins. It's not speaking of redemption from the consequences of transgressions, but from the sins themselves. And this is very, very important. Why is this so important? Because I want us to, to understand this, that we are, we are redeemed from our sins, from the actions of our sins, but not from the consequences. Why is it important that we understand that distinction? Because while we still may be sick or injured or in prison or have strained relationships as a consequence of our sin, we can't look to that evidence. We can't look to that as evidence of our forgiveness. Understand this. If your life is hard because of decisions you have made, don't use that as a way to judge whether or not God loves you, whether or not God forgives you, whether or not you are close to God. And when people say, Art, you don't understand, the, the response is simple. Look at Paul. What was Paul's life like as he clung to Christ? Shipwrecks, snake bites, prison, 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 <laughs> you know, beatings, you know, rough time. The rescue takes care of the guilt of the sin, even if the consequences live on. So, but I want you to understand this too. This is uh, from Helps, um, Helps Bible Guide, Bible Study Guide, and it's a great, great statement. It says, Apolytrosis emphasizes the distance or the safety margin that results between the rescued person and what previously enslaved them. In other words, you're farther from your past than you thought you were. This is why this is such an amazing word. When we talk about our redemption being complete, it'll be complete, complete when we die or in Christ's returns, and we're no longer bound by the struggles um, of this sinful world, but we are complete in our redemption because of the work of God, the work of Christ. Not because we've tried so hard, not because we've worked really, really hard at moving away from our past. The redemption is taking care of that. For the believer, the prefix, apo, apo, looks back, looks back, looks back to God's effective work of grace, purchasing them from the debt of sin and bringing to them their new status. Um, praise team, you guys come back up as I tell this, this story. 
A gathering of friends at an English estate nearly turned to tragedy when one of the children strayed into deep water. The gardener heard the cries for help, plunged in, and rescued the drowning child. That child's name was Winston Churchill. His grateful parents asked, asked the gardener what they could do to reward him, and he hesitated and then said, I wish my son could go to college someday and become a doctor. We'll see to it, Churchill's parents promised. Years later, while Sir Winston was Prime Minister of England, he was stricken with pneumonia. The country's best physician was summoned. His name was Dr. Alexander Fleming, the man who discovered and developed penicillin. He was also the son of that gardener who had saved young Winston from drowning. And later, Churchill remarked, Rarely has one man owed his life twice to the same person. I want you to understand with me as I try to understand. I want you to understand with me as I try to understand that, um, that the God of all creation that knows you by name and created you by name and created you for his purpose and set you aside for what he has planned for you. He made you. He called you. He saved you. He set the price. He paid the price. He bent down, released his shackles, offers you an opportunity, a new life, put some distance between your current life and the sin that bound you and makes it possible for you to do God's will instead of your own will. Now, why would we not want to serve a God like that? Why would we refuse to be redeemed when we have the opportunity to be bought out of our slavery and set free for a purpose, to do what only God can do, and to be a part of his invitation to bring other people to that same salvation that he's offered to us. Is word study exciting? It certainly can be. Here's what I want you guys to do. I've got, I've got one more story to tell after they get finished, but I want you guys to stand and sing with us. Maybe this is a song you've heard. Maybe it's one that you know. Maybe you've never sung it the way you're going to sing it now. But sing this song with us, keeping in mind what it means to truly be redeemed. <laughs> Seems like all I could see was a struggle By ghosts that lived in my past Bound up in shackles of all my failures Wondering how long is this gonna last Then you look at this prison and say to me, son, stop fighting a fight. It's already been won. Cause I am redeemed. You set me free. So I'll shake off these heavy 
chains You wiped away every stain Now I'm not who I used to be I am redeemed I'm redeemed All my life I have been called unworthy Named by the voice of my shame and regret But when I hear you whisper, child, lift up your head I remember, oh God, you're not done with me Cause I don't have to be the old man inside of me Cause his day is long dead and gone Because I've got a new name, a new life I'm not the same and I hope that will carry me home And I am Shake off these heavy chains You wipe away every stain I'm not who I used to be Cause I am redeemed You set me free So I'll shake off these heavy chains You wipe away every stain Now I'm not who I used to be Oh God, I'm not who I used to be Jesus, I'm not who I used to be Cause I am redeemed Thank God redeemed Tom carried his new boat to the edge of the river. He carefully placed it in the water and slowly let out the string. How smoothly the little boat sailed. Tom sat in the warm sunshine admiring the little boat that he had built. Suddenly a strong current caught the boat. Tom tried to pull it back to shore, but the string broke. The little boat raced downstream. Tom ran along the sandy shore as fast as he could, but his little boat soon slipped out of their sight. All afternoon, he searched for the boat. Finally, when it was too dark to look any longer, he sadly went home. A few days later, on the way home from school, Tom spotted a boat just like his in a store window. When he got closer, he could see, sure enough, it was his. 
Tom hurried to the store manager. Sir, that's my boat in your window. I made it. Sorry, son, but someone else brought it in this morning. If you want it, you'll have to buy it for a dollar. Tom ran home and counted all his money, exactly one dollar. When he reached the store, he rushed to the counter. Here's the money for my boat. As he left the store, Tom hugged his boat and said, now you're twice mine. First I made you, and now I bought you. I don't think any of us can grasp what it means to be loved to the point of being made and bought. But that's exactly what Christ did. If you're under the impression that you have to get clean before you can come to Christ and say, clean me up, you're never too dirty. There's nothing you've done, nothing you could do. Christ loves you. He made you to be with him. And then because of your sin, he was willing to pay the price to bring you back. He set the price, he paid the price, and he bends down and releases the shackles so you can be free. You may not feel like you're enslaved, I know, but you are. You will not be the judge of yourself for eternity. And you won't be able to convince God that you're good enough. But I will tell you this. The price has been paid for you to be good enough. And all we have to do is receive it. What we're told in in 1 John is that that if we'll confess our sins, God is faithful and he's just and he'll purify us from all those sins. We all need to be redeemed and now's your chance. Maybe you've never known that you could be redeemed. Maybe you've never known that you need to be But the word, words that we've looked at hopefully has given you a full picture of the necessity of redemption, the availability of redemption, the possibility of redemption, and the life that can be yours after that redemption. And Jesus has done it all for you. And all you have to do is say, I'll take it. I'm gonna be up here and they're gonna lead us in um, in another amazing song that they do incredibly well. So if you guys will stand, we'll pray, and you'll have an opportunity to come and pray at the altar. If you need to work anything out, talk to me, um, and I will have people that can pray with you and talk with you if you're ready to be redeemed. Father, we thank you for your great and amazing love for us. Thank you that you made us and you bought us. Thank you that redemption is too big of a word for us to grasp, but it's not too big of an option or an opportunity for you to do. We thank you that when we talk about nothing being impossible for you, that that includes saving me. It is hard for us to understand, hard for us to believe, hard for us to imagine just how it is you feel about us. But we found out today that you've made it abundantly clear 
how you feel and what you've done to prove it. So if there are those here this morning that feel, still feel like they're trapped in their sin, even though they have been redeemed, maybe they can't get past the guilt or the shame, the Father, you have saved them already. And they don't need to depend on those feelings. Help them know they're set free. But if there is those here this morning, Father, there are those that, um, that need to have that relationship with you that need to be redeemed, prompt them to do it. Prompt them. Stir in their hearts that this is the safest place to do it. And here we are. We're ready now if they are too. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.